This, the first of His signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested His glory and His disciples believed in Him. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear saints of God, one of the most stunning things about the account of this water turned to wine is the details that John gives to us in the Gospel text. The day that it happened, the conversation between Mary and Jesus, her son, the number of jars that were there set aside for the rites of purification and the amount of water or wine that they would hold, how big they are, the, the, the facts of who knew what, that the servants knew the things that were going on, but that the master of the, of the feast and the bridegroom didn't know, and even the conversation between the master and the bridegroom who comes to rebuke the bridegroom for holding back the best wine to the end. John often offers us this wonderful detail of the events that he witnessed, because remember, he was there. But the account of this miracle, water turned to wine in the wedding at Cana, seems to be filled with a little bit more detail than the rest. It's almost as if the wonder of this event is glowing in the words that John writes. Why? Well, first... First, because it happened. Jesus really did go to a wedding with his disciples in Cana. And they really did run out of wine. And he really did take 140 gallons or so of water and make 140 gallons of wine. That's an incredible amount of wine. Remember that, and this is important, before the Bible is a theology book, it's a history book. To my knowledge, and someone, if someone knows better, you can correct me. And let me know after church. But to my knowledge, the Bible is the only holy book that has maps published in it. And this is very significant. The Bible is telling us about things that happened. For the past uh, 150, 170 years, there's been a move afoot in the world to reverse this. People have taught that the important thing in the Bible is the significance. It's what it teaches, but it's not the words. These people want the significance of the text without the facts of the text. They would, for example, look at this text of water turned to wine, and they would say something like this. Well, we know that Jesus didn't really turn the water into wine because, after all, water doesn't turn to wine, and we know better. But John is teaching us by, the, by giving us this miracle that Jesus brings gladness in the midst of boredom or something like this. You see how it goes? They, they don't care about the history if something actually happened, but what, what is it teaching it? Like it's a, a fable or a parable or something like this. This is the move called higher criticism that began in the mid-1900s. And, and that kind of reading the Bible has been creeping around into almost all of the so-called mainline denominations, all the major church bodies. It's the root of the trouble that, that the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church, is having, and the Episcopals are having, and the Presbyterian Church USA, and the Methodist, United Methodist Church. This is the root of all of the troubles in their churches. They teach that the Bible is true spiritually, but the history might be off. But in the Bible, history is everything. The scriptures do not present themselves to us as a, as a book of philosophy. 
as a book of life lessons, as a book of advice. In fact, the Bible does not even present itself to us as a book of theology, but rather as a book of history, as an account of real events with real people in real places, things that really happened. We confess this when we confess that the scriptures are true, that they are inerrant, that is, they don't have any errors, that they're infallible, that is, that they're unable to err, that they're inspired by God, that is, what they say is true. But there's a danger, and and I, I want you to consider this, there's a danger that we, too, would give ourselves over to a spiritual reading of the text, that we would become mystics when we read the Bible, that we would try to start find the hidden message that's there in the text. Six water pots, we read it there. There's six water pots. Why not five or seven? Six is the number of incompletion. Maybe the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us that the Jewish rituals that were there were not enough and they were incomplete and that Jesus fills them with something different. Do you see how that goes? You start to read into the text, try to get behind what was there, to find more than just history. Last week, last week Tebow threw for 316 yards, an average of 31.6 yards per completion. This, we're sure, is a sign. <laughs> This is a bad way to think about things. We should simply be happy that the average wasn't 3.16 yards per pass. (laughs) But we don't want to read into things and look for the secret meeting. The secret meeting. Yesterday, the Broncos lost 45 to 10. Do you know what Psalm 4510 says? It says this. Hear, O daughter, and consider. Incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. You know what that has to do with football? Nothing. And here's the point. If the Lord wants to get a message to us, you know what he does? He puts it in the Bible. If we want to hear the voice of God, you know where we look? To the scriptures. That's where he reveals himself to us. And even more, when we look to the scriptures, we're not looking behind the text or beyond the text to find the secret meaning of the teaching. We're simply looking at the text. It's enough if we know what the word of God is trying to say to us. That's enough. That's what we're after. And that is why there are such fantastic details here in the Bible, in the Gospels, with this first sign of Jesus At the wedding in Cana, the water turned to wine. The reason why there's such details is because they happened. (laughs) It happened. But, and perhaps we can consider this a little bit more, there is something unique when we read this passage in John chapter 2. Uh, 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 there's a unique flavor to the text that we don't, that we really don't find in any of the other passages in John. And we get a hint of why this is with the last verse of the text. John chapter 2 verse 11. This first of his signs Jesus did at Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. 
You see, when we think about this wedding, nobody who was there really had the whole picture of what was going on except for the Lord's disciples. The bridegroom has no idea what's happening. He's totally out of the picture. The master of the feast knows a little bit more. He knows that they ran out of wine and that suddenly they have this big abundance of wine and that the wine is fantastically good, but he thought that the bridegroom was playing some sort of trick, holding it back and bringing it out later. He doesn't know the miracle. In fact, I, I don't, I suspect that the people who came to this wedding at Cana in Galilee didn't even know that a miracle had taken place. The servants knew that there was water and there was wine, so they knew of the miracle, but they didn't see the whole thing happening. But you know who does? The disciples. They're watching all of this miracle unfold. They hear the conversation between Mary and Jesus. They see Jesus instructing the servants to fill the jars. And they're watching as the water is brought to the guests. And suddenly they have wine. In fact, the finest wine in their cups. Now, can you imagine this with the disciples? Watching as these things unfold. They're looking at the servants, bringing the water to the jars. And then they're serving up the water. And now the people in their cups have wine. And then they look at Jesus. And then they look at one another. And then they look down at their own cups <laughs> and take a sip and then look back at Jesus. What's happening? Did this, did, did what we see really just take place? Did Jesus really take four, 140 gallons of water and turn it into wine? And this miracle, this very moment, this sign is the birthplace of the disciples' faith. John says it. His disciples believed in him. John believed in him at this very moment. And now, maybe 60 years later, he's writing about it. Whenever I meet a, a couple that's engaged to be married, one of the questions that I always ask them, you probably do the same thing. I always ask, how did you meet? That's a great question to ask. Because you know that the story is going to be a wonderful story. And the story is going to have detail. And the story is going to have delight. A couple could be married for 70 years and you still ask them the question, how did you meet? And it's almost as if it happened yesterday. We remember it like it was just then with detail and delight. And this passage, dear saints, in the Gospel of John chapter 2 has the same sort of detail and delight in it. It's as if John is saying, let me tell you about the day that I first believed in Jesus. The moment that we first knew He was the Messiah. I can pinpoint it. I know right where it was. Exactly what day it was on. Exactly where I was standing. That I knew that the one sent from God to rescue us and save us and forgive us from our sins, that this was Jesus. And we were there with Him in Cana of Galilee at a wedding. I'll tell you all about it. See? Now, I can't help but think that for the next 60 to 70 years of his life, the Apostle John would remember this event with delight and detail. Every time he took a sip of wine, remember? Well, this is nothing like that water Jesus turned to wine. Every time he as a pastor conducted a wedding, I suspect he told the story over and over. In fact, I imagine that every time that John saw a stone jar, he remembered this day, this sign, this miracle, this gift, Jesus revealing himself to him and giving him faith. And that, dear saints, is exactly what epiphany means. It means revealing, manifestation, 
Jesus showing himself to be more than what he appears to be. He shows his disciples on this day that he is the long awaited Messiah, that he is God in our flesh, that he is our helper and our savior. And dear saints, we rejoice in this as well. For John, who was there, who saw this, whose faith was awakened by this miracle, John has written this down for you, that in hearing these words, the same thing would happen. John finishes his gospel like this. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you would have life in his name. So it is, dear saints, that we find in the Scriptures, in the Word of God, in the history of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, with all of its detail and delight, we find God manifest in our flesh, bearing our sin and saving us. And just as John has delight in remembering this, so do we. For this Jesus turning water into wine is your Jesus who shows Himself to you and gives you great joy as well. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Oh,